morning. You can be keeping your Bibles open there in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be studying from there here in just a moment together. We're going to spend some time this morning talking about and spending a moment of study specifically on forgiveness. Now, we'll be making some big kind of picture application principles about forgiveness, but I really want us this morning to be honing in specifically on our relationship with each other and the necessity at times to be forgiving to one another. Now, listen, are we to be forgiving as a general principle to all mankind? Absolutely. That that absolutely is the case. But this morning, I really want us to begin to think about the necessity that there are times that we have to be forgiving to one another. I love the way Kevin began our worship, our time together this morning. Getting us to understand and and to realize that as we are here together, all kinds of different folks, all kinds of different ages, different genders, different races, different jobs, different backgrounds, and, and he is absolutely on the money without Christ Our contact would be zero or minimal at best, but here we are. Here we are together. Here we are a family. Here we are with the closest and the tightest of relationship. And all of that is made possible through Jesus. And I want us to be thinking about that this morning. When we talk about our relationship with one another, when we talk about the moments in which we need to be forgiving of one another and the impact that that can have. And, and so I know a lot of you are, uh, are here and you know, well, listen, Jeremy's going to be building some scenarios. He's going to be building some hypotheticals. I know specifically Tim is thinking about it because everyone knows Tim is my scenario guy. He is my hypothetical guy. And you know already... It's coming. Tim and I are going to have problems this morning. And we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. I mean, we've had problems already, but we've we've worked it out every time. Well, let's start. Let's think about what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. We're going to rapid fire through a few passages here at the beginning. I'll put them up on the screen behind me. I want you to be looking for the commonality. And then we're really going to break down forgiveness into two pieces this morning. We're going to make it simple. Two things for us to think about. But first, Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, uh, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus, again, on the cross, says this in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, that Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12, Jesus again, and forgive us as he's teaching his disciples about prayer. He uses this line, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Luke chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus again says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
In Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 3, Jesus says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And then finally, Mark chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Did you notice some commonalities on our passages here that we've talked about at the beginning? All of them from the mouth of Jesus. He had so much to say about forgiveness. He had so much to offer us when we're thinking about that area of our relationship. Yes, with man as a whole, but most specifically with our relationship as brethren. Jesus knew how important it was going to be for his followers to be people who forgive. The benefits that come from that. Certainly the benefits that come from me, but also the benefits that it comes from the one that I forgive. If Tim does something heinous towards me, says something ugly, does something ugly, repents of that, and I forgive him, and that relationship is healed, there is an incredible benefit for me, that weight is lifted, but also an incredible benefit for him. It is a beautiful thing when forgiveness happens. Jesus makes the point multiple times in the passages that we've talked about, reminding us that we are to be forgivers because we have been forgiven. We're going to come back to that towards the end. I said I was going to boil down forgiveness into a couple of pieces, and that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. Without humility and love, there's never going to be forgiveness. I want you to realize this morning, if forgiveness to your brother, to your sister, to to man in general, if forgiveness is something that you struggle with, that you know it's a weakness of yours, maybe you're thinking about a specific situation, maybe you're thinking about a scenario with a brother or a sister, maybe they're here even this morning and they're sitting close to you or they're sitting on the other room, side of the room from you. And you know forgiveness has been difficult for you. Forgiveness has been a struggle for you. I want you for a second, in simple terms, to take the forgiveness side of it and set it aside. Because I want us today to realize that if we're struggling with forgiveness, if we're struggling in that arena, we are struggling with humility and love. That's the reality of it. And the reason I say that we can set forgiveness aside, we can put it in the bushes over here, and if I square away my humility and I square away my love, forgiveness comes right in the door. Now, not just forgiveness. And let me tell you this. I mean, we could make lists of things. If this morning and this week you meditate upon squaring away your humility and your love of the brethren... Not just forgiveness, lots of things are going to flood in through the door. 
Humility and love are the key to forgiveness. The key to forgiveness. And so the key becomes, if you're having a forgiveness problem, you're having a humility or a love or a humility and love problem. So this morning, we're going to hammer down on those two arenas. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 18. Lee read from us from Matthew chapter 18. It's really a a, a powerful chapter. It has all kinds of different things to talk about as Jesus is really describing a relationship that we'll have with one another. And he establishes at the very beginning of this great chapter this powerful concept of humility. He, He wants to put it right in the front. He wants to put it right in the front of our heads. And he makes the point in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4 that you must be one who humbles himself. You want to be seen by God as great? I want that. Everybody should want that. Do you want God to look at you in a pleasing way? Do you want God to look at you and see you as someone that is great? If you want that, I certainly want that. Jesus says humility is what he's looking for. In this chapter, he uses that idea. The humble person conducts himself in specific ways. And in the use of this chapter, Jesus will make his way to a story in which he talks specifically about forgiveness. I want us to read this story together. We're going to point out a few things along the way. We're going to be very practical with our thoughts this morning. Very simple, very easy. That's the beauty of a parable in a lot of ways. It's the idea of the parable. Jesus shares a parable, and it's designed to be simple. It's designed to be easy. It's designed to be practical. It's designed for us to be able to look at the situation, look at the story, look at the scenario that Jesus is providing us, and be able to see the issues, be able to see the problems, be able to see the point. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 18. We've already talked about, in this context, the importance of humility. In this context, you have the importance of honesty with brethren. And now to the point that humility and honesty results in forgiveness. And you have this story. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Peter says... Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? This is Matthew 18, 21, up to seven times. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. We're going to come back to this, but I want us to realize that what Peter is looking for is that measuring line. Where is the line, Jesus? That's what he's asking here. Where is the forgiveness line? Is it one time? Is it two times? Is it three times? Is it four times? Is it five times? Is it six times? Is it seven times? Is it eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy? Is it a hundred times? Where, Jesus, is the line? Where is that last line that I need to forgive, 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 forgive? And then when I get to that measuring stick, if I'm over that, I don't have to forgive anymore. Where is that line? And I want us to say, this is the whole uh, punch of the story that Jesus is going to share because Peter's question is where is the line and Jesus' answer is there 
is no line. That is the answer. He, he gives this ridiculous 70 times 7, but he does so to make that point. The point is, there is no line. Peter, where is the line? Jesus says, there is no line. There is no limit. We've talked a little bit about humility. We'll talk more about love here in just a moment. But Jesus is painting the picture that love love doesn't count. Love doesn't keep score. So to illustrate that, Jesus shares this parable. Now, I want you to think about why he shares the parable. Is the parable about forgiveness? Yes. But I think sometimes we lose sight about why he shares this parable. You see, the parable is about not just forgiveness in general, but the parable is about the limit of our forgiveness. And the parable is not about God's forgiveness to us, even though Jesus will make mention of that, the point of the parable is our forgiveness to others. So you keep those things in mind as we study this parable together. Verse 23, Jesus shares this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. So here at the beginning of this story, Jesus sets a standard. And the standard is pretty easy to understand. Here was a man who had a debt. And the debt was so astronomical, there was no hope to pay that debt. No hope. This was not $10, $100, $1,000. It was an amount that was an impossibility for him to pay. He had no hope. But even though he had no hope, there was one thing he did have, a compassionate king. Now, did this servant deserve the compassion from the king? Did he deserve the forgiveness of that debt? He didn't deserve that forgiveness. It was purely an act of love and compassion on the part of the king. And so what Jesus is doing is he establishes a standard. Here is someone that has a debt that is impossible for him to pay. Jesus dealing with an extreme an impossible debt to pay, no hope. But only out of the love and compassion of the king was this debt forgiven, the standard. Now let's get to the punch of the story, verse 28. But that servant went out, and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. 
And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, when you hear a story like this, especially with the setup that Jesus gives, isn't your first thought, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard of in my life, isn't it? This, it's my first thought, where Jesus is like, listen, there was this guy, he had an inordinate debt, he couldn't pay, but because of the goodness of the king, he forgave him his debt. And then that same guy had a friend of his who owed him just a little bit, and he roughed him up. And that guy said, please have mercy on me, have patience with me. But he didn't. He threw him into prison. Our reaction is, that is the most ridiculous and absurd thing that I have ever heard. It's easy for us to see how off and how wrong that story is. It reminds me of David being confronted with his sin with Bathsheba and the story with the stolen sheep is given to him. And he explodes with, bring me that guy. Bring me the guy who did that. That is absurd and ridiculous. He is to be punished immediately. And then he is confronted. You you are that guy. That's what Jesus is doing with this parable. We've got to be able to break it down in ways like that. That Jesus is confronting Peter and his looking for measures with this is how man generally operates. This is how man operates. The king forgiving that massive debt, that's not how man generally operates. This second part of the story is how man generally operates. But yet the story, when we hear it, we're like, that's not right. It doesn't seem the correct way. It sounds terrible. He should definitely spare his friend, but he doesn't. Jesus concludes the story with this in verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So the point is made. If we refuse to forgive, we only imprison ourselves. So what's wrong with this guy? Well, the issue that he was having is he was so wrapped up in justice and not humility. When we are wrapped up in justice, we operate that way. The way we operate is what I am owed is what I'm focused on. What I deserve is what I'm focused on. What you should do for me is what I'm focused on. And so when someone does something wrong to us, if we are operating on the precipice of justice, we immediately think, you have wronged me, and now you should have to pay for that. Humility pushes that away. Because humility allows us to see 
this pales in comparison to what has been done for me. And that's the point of Jesus' story, humility. And we're going to come back to that here in just a moment. But I made mention that forgiveness is based upon humility and love. Look to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a passage a lot of us will be familiar with in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, the point is often made, and rightly so, as Paul is writing to the brethren here in Corinth, and, and he's, he's talking specifically about love, and he really defines love for us. But the point is made, and, and, and often needs to be made, that in context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there is a discussion not about love or relationships in general, but our relationship with each other, the brethren. That's what the context is. The context, when Paul makes a point about love, is my relationship with him. That's the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, are there some principles in place that can help me to acknowledge and to, to understand some things about my relationship with Kim, my wife? Certainly there is. But the context is my relationship with Tim. This is what it should look like. So listen to what he says and how he defines that relationship. And that it should be driven by love, specifically this kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning of verse 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When I read this passage, you know what I come away with? Benefit of the doubt. We're terrible at that. Terrible. I struggle with that. Because you know what battles against benefit of the doubt? Cynicism. Cynicism battles against benefit of the doubt. And, and if you're here and you're, you're wondering, well, cynicism, that's a big uh, dictionary word. It's not a super big dictionary word. It, it basically is always seeing the negative versus seeing the positive. If I'm cynical and I'm operated by cynicism, I'm going to be always able to easily see the negative. And if I operate that way, I'm never going to be the benefit of the doubt guy. Now, here's how that comes into play. Here's how that comes into play. I'm sitting over here having a conversation with somebody. And um, I peek over at Tim. And he is glaring at me. Glaring. I mean, he is a huge side-eye and he snarls even a little bit. Now the cynical man says this, Tim and I got a problem. I've not done anything to Tim. Why, why, why is he glaring at me like this? What, 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 what's, what's he thinking about? Well, what's his problem right now? 
Why is he even looking at me? I'm not even talking to him right now. I'm having this conversation over here, but I got a Tim. He's side-eyeing me. He's glaring at me. And you know what? Last week, he was doing the same thing. I looked over there, and he was doing it as well. He's just looking at me all the time glaring at me. I know we got a problem. I know there's an issue. You know what? Now that I really begin to think about it, I I don't like that guy either. I'm going to glare at him. You want to snarl at me? I'll snarl back at you. And guess what? When that starts happening, Tim is like, what is he looking at? He is glaring at me. He is snarling at me. And Tim, in his cynical mind, is like, man, Jeremy's got a problem. What did I ever do to him? That punk, he's looking at me all the time. He's using me for illustrations. He he makes me out to be the bad guy all the time. Never the good guy. Always the bad guy. Now, it seems silly, right? But is something like that ever possible that that can happen in the Lord's church? I hate to say that's not crazy hypothetical. And it's easier for us to stand up here and say, well, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But what if I can have the kind of love that doesn't seek its own, the kind of love that thinks no evil, the kind of love that bears all things, the kind of love that believes all things, the kind of love that's just benefited the doubt. Maybe Tim says something to me, and I take offense to it, and I ask him about it. I say, Tim, listen, you, you, you said this to me. I didn't like that. I took offense to it. And he says, listen, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it that way. There was a you know misunderstanding. I didn't I didn't mean it that way. How often in life scenarios do we have an interaction like that and immediately step out of that and you think, I don't care what he said. I, I know what he said and I, I know what he meant. Of course he would say he didn't mean it that way. You see, I'm not building wild hypotheticals here. In order for me to have a heart that forgives, I have to operate with humility and love. I have to. If I leave love behind, I will not be able to forgive a brother. If I leave humility away, if I leave humility aside, and I just walk up here above everybody all the time, I will not be able to forgive. just won't be able to. But if I embrace humility... If I embrace love, forgiveness walks through the door. So we love and forgive, or we don't love and pile on. So let's close with some tips. I was going through a little bit this week. You know, this this is not the first lesson in my 23 years of preaching that I've done on forgiveness. It's interesting how I have moved and morphed as a preacher, and certainly even in my study and in my mind uh, in a lot of ways. About 20 years ago, one of the very first lessons I ever put together on forgiveness, I I put together a list of tips on how to forgive, and there were 11 things listed out that I've shared with the congregation, 11 tips on how to forgive. 
And every time I've done a lesson on forgiveness, I would look back to that list, and I've moved it along the years, and I have chopped off some ridiculous ones that young Jeremy put on there. I have combined others, and I've continued to do that. And a list that has moved from 11 to 9 to 7 to 4 now has moved along the way. And some of this we've talked about before, but it's good for us to consider again as we close. And so how do we do forgiveness? Because sometimes it feels like a challenge. And we're going to start with the easy one. It may not seem easy, but it is. We've got to make a decision to do it. It's a choice we make. It's a choice we make. You know, I don't have to think about or make a choice to breathe. It happens naturally. I don't have to make a choice or think about beating my heart. It happens naturally. Or to blink my eyes to protect or blink my eyelids or protect my eyes. I don't have to think about that. Those things happen naturally. But you know what doesn't happen naturally? Love and humility and forgiveness. Those things don't happen naturally. I've got to make choices in regards to those things. We read Mark chapter 11 and verse 25. Jesus, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That's it. That's the line. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgiveness isn't an emotion. Forgiveness is an action. We read it just a moment ago. Do you think when Jesus forgave from the cross, he was emotionally just feeling all beautiful and giddy inside? As he was hanging from the cross, but yet made the decision to forgive. So number one, we've got to decide to do it. This is the kind of thing that I'm going to be about. This is the kind of life that I'm going to live, a life of love, a life of humility, a life of forgiveness. Secondly, we've got to be willing to pray for those who have hurt us. We've got to be willing to pray. The idea behind that is meditating and thinking about forgiveness not meditating and thinking about vengeance. If you are meditating and thinking about vengeance, is forgiveness going to be simple for you? Let me answer that. It won't. It be impossible for you. But if you meditate and you think about forgiveness, it'll be much easier. So that brings me to number three. In the midst of us praying for those who hurt us, Sometimes forgiveness is hard. Ask God to help you. What I love about Luke chapter 17, we read verses 3 and 4. If you remember, it it is a similar conversation that Jesus is having uh, about someone who sins against you seven times in a day. And, And if they, seven times in a day, you forgive him. That seems ridiculous, right? Seven times in a day. Seven times. The fifth or sixth time that Tim has said something ugly to me, it seems ridiculous that even that fifth and sixth time, that at some point in that same day that I would say, I'm done with that, with that joker. I'm side-eyeing him on Wednesday night, right? That's, where, that's how you get to places like that. But Jesus lays this on them. Seven times in the day you do that. Now, we didn't read this passage. We read just three and four. But what I love in verse five, after Jesus has laid on the disciples this very difficult measuring line, if you will, 
seven times in a day. He has laid this on him. What do we have in verse 5? Lord, increase our faith, is how they say. I need need help with that. I, I need help with that. It's a beautiful thing to think about. Ask God. Ask God for help. And then lastly, never, ever, ever lose sight of how much God has forgiven you. Did you take notice of that as we read those passages of Jesus at the beginning of our time? Over and over and over, Jesus points back to that because of how important it is. In his parable in Matthew chapter 18, he really begins with the idea. Here is the standard. The undeserving forgiveness that God has given you, why would we not forgive others? And you want forgiveness to become easier? You meditate upon all that God has forgiven you. Now, ultimately, where does that get us? What if we had a congregation? What if we had a congregation? 384 people here this morning. Big group. But what if we had a congregation where all of us operated with love and humility? What a beautiful place that would be. Hypothetical, far-reaching, unimaginable? I don't think so. Unattainable? I don't think so. Because it's what God has laid on each of us. What a beautiful place. A group of God's people operating purely out of love and humility. We've made the point. Kevin made the point. We are different people with different thoughts and different ideas, doing different things, and all of those differences come against each other sometimes. How do we deal with that? Love and humility. Love and humility. Love and humility. That's how you get over all of those things and have a beautiful working family, praising God together, evangelizing this community together. A beautiful thing. It is how the Lord's church is designed to operate. So let's meditate upon that today and this week. It is a beautiful relationship that we have with one another. Unique relationship. And although it is a really unique and important relationship that we have with one another, all relationships pale to the importance of our relationship with And Marcus is going to lead us in a song of invitation, and it gives us that opportunity to think about that relationship and where we are in that relationship. Do we have a relationship with God or do we not? The New Testament has taught sin separates us from God. It separates us from having a relationship with him. But through the waters of baptism, coming in contact with the very blood of Jesus can wash those sins away forgiveness through the blood of Christ. What an unbelievable story that was. Maybe we can help you in some way this morning. If we can, let us know as we stand and sing.